There are eight things that I've been witnessing, that I've been seeing, that I have found to be important for us to know what we need to address or how we need to speak on it. I am not speaking about these things. I'm not, there are going to be things we're talking about that some people might have a struggle with. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about us speaking Jesus. We need to be loving in all things that we do. But we also need to stand and be truthful. And if somebody is going to yell something from the mountaintop that's not true, we can't whisper it in the corner. Are you with me? Today, don't get scared, y'all. But today we're going to talk on three of these subjects. There are eight that I've had, and I just chose three today. And I'm going to be moving really quickly because it's, the point I want to try to make is that God has provided truth. Um, but there are three subjects that we want to identify today that are freshly being argued. Homosexuality, tattoos, and Sunday worship. <laughs> One sermon. That's like eight sermons. But we want to talk about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please speak. Amen. I heard this statement the other day. Um, <laughs> I heard the statement the other day that a pastor said. He, said. he said, if a man eating lion got loose in the United States of America, it would starve to death because there aren't any men to eat. You travel the world, you go to Asia and you go to Africa and you go to South America and you will find men of young age, men of young age. You come into this country and you find 35 and 40 year old boys. There's a need for us to have a wake up call and a, a gathering together, but not some type of self-willed, and I'm not talking about self-grandizing soldiers and hardcore chest-pounding men. We don't need any more of that kind of man. We need men who depend upon Christ and seek to be formed in his image and who are dedicated to him. We live in this world where people, oh mercy, we live in this world where people are more offended that you confronted a sin or defended a truth, then that sin offends God or that truth is the word of God. You um, heard Rose read today's scripture, but I want to read it to you in the Message Bible. It says, heaven's my throne, earth is my footstool. What sort of house could you build for me? What holiday spot reserved for me? I made all this, I own all this, God's decree. But there is something I'm looking for, a person, simple and plain, reverently responsive to what I say. Is it okay? Is it okay, homosexuality? The LBGT identification in the United States ticks at about 7.1% of the population 
as of 2022. That's a 22% increase from 2020 when it was at 5.6%. We see people online and in the pulpits readily, not, not loving those who have the struggle, but accepting the lifestyle is okay. So I wanna give you three points of why I believe it is not okay, and then we will expound on it a little bit before we move on to the next one. One, it is a violation of the created order. Genesis 1:27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's Adam and Eve. What is that statement? It's not Adam and Steve. Number two, it denounces procreation. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage to the Lord. The fruit of the womb is the reward. And number three, it denies the need for sanctification because it takes what God calls sinful and calls it righteous. But Leviticus 23 says, 13 says, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be surely put to death. Their blood is upon them. I don't know if you know this, but not all sins are called an abomination. It is unique that way. Twin Cities ministry were destroyed because it was a factor in everyday sinning. Well, Jack, but Jesus didn't, um, Jesus didn't address homosexuality. Well, Jesus did address homosexuality when he addressed marriage. You can look it up in Matthew five, but in Matthew 19, four through six, it says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite into his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. First Corinthians 7, 2 says, but because the temptation to sexual immorality, because of the temptation of sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. But if you want to take, um, if you want to take that line of argument that Jesus didn't address homosexuality, you would have to eventually be okay with, um, with pedophilia because Jesus never said anything about that. What God has brought together, man cannot separate. God is the author of marriage, not man. Therefore, God is the one who divines, defines marriage and not man. So men on this earth are not green-lighted to introduce the concept of same-sex marriage. Plus, it means it is not marriage, it is something else. Early in the modern movement, the LGBT community said to Christians, you know, it's, it's your job as a Christian that you, you, you need to be tolerant. Stating that God is tolerant and, and God is love. Well, 
We already read Leviticus 20.13 about man with a male. Does he tolerate that? Write down Romans 1, 24 through 27 and later read that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 13 through 15, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know what wrongdoers will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who have sex with men. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for God and the Lord for the body. But his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought by a price, at a price. Therefore, honor God, honor God, honor God with your bodies. If you have any difficulties with that, ministry. Get into your Bibles and study the family. Study the family. The family of God, how God has designed creation. Study the body of Christ. There's a, um, he was part of the, uh, um, the Church of England and then he moved to another church because it wouldn't ordain him. But there was a gentleman online that actually is being rebuked. <laughs> He's being rebuked by the Church of England and the Catholic Church, but he stood up and he said this, his name is Calvin Robinson. He said, should we love all people? Yes, but we need to be good rather than worldly approach of appearing good. Did Christ spend time with tax collectors, tax collectors and prostitutes? Yes, but it was they that went away changed and not him. The church is open to sinners of which we all are. That is its purpose but we are not encouraged to encourage people or ourselves to continue to sin. Do not lead people astray. Do not be the false teachers the Bible warns us about. Defend the faith. Let your teaching be redemption and salvation. Help people by telling them the truth. Be compassionate in trying to lead people to Christ when the world is trying to lead them away from him. If the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Do we love all people, Chris? Yes, we do. Is homosexuality okay? We love all people. We ourselves are sinners. But we also need to speak truth. Topic number two, is it okay? Tattoos. Televangelist Joyce Myers recently received two tattoos to honor God, she said. She has eight million, she has an eight million dollar a month ministry, 10,000 member church, 1.2 million people on YouTube, 4.2 million followers on Instagram. And she recently says, as it relates to tattoos, that Isaiah 49, 16 gives her permission. Hmm. Isaiah 49, 16 says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are ever before me. 
So is this a valid reason? Is this a salvation issue? Let's investigate. I want to look at five reasons I believe that tattoos should not should be avoided. And I'm not talking about folks in here that may already have tattoos. I want to make a suggestion that moving forward, don't add anymore. One, it's forbidden. Leviticus 19.28 says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Here's the best part. I am the Lord. This is often, saints, overlooked because in the Old Testament commandment, um, and many argue these are basically Levitical laws and that they're no longer germane or relevant. The problem is the bulk of these laws in Leviticus, and especially those in this chapter, are still in effect, and we can prove it. Leviticus 19.11.12 says, do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Still relevant. Verse 12 says, do not swear falsely by my name. So profane my name, um, your God. I am the Lord. Still relevant. Leviticus verse 13 says, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Still relevant. Leviticus verse 14 says, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Relevant. So let's jump down to verse 26 to 28. Verse 26 says, do not eat any meat with blood still in it. Now, this is repeated in the New Testament in Acts 15 verse 20. Christians should not eat blood. Do not practice divination or seek omens. See, witchcraft is still forbidden by the Lord. Verse 27, it says, do not cut the hair off the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. See, what this is saying is that that you don't do that for the dead. And if you need reference to that, Deuteronomy 14.1 tells us, you are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourself or shave the front of your heads for the dead. See, they were not to imitate the practices of mourning, cutting themselves like the prophets of Baal or shaving their heads or making their beards pointed. God said, don't defigure your appearance for the dead. So here we are at Leviticus 19.28. It says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. God repeatedly says, I am the Lord. He's telling you, you are my people. Don't do these things. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Point two, respect for God's property because you belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Point number three, modesty. First Peter 3, 3 through 4 says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Listen, rather, it should be that your inner self the unfading beauty of gentle, quiet spirit, which is of 
which is of great worth in God's sight. What you got going on out here has nothing to do with God. It's what's going on inside that matters. Number four is how about try doing the safe thing? If you're not sure, you should refrain. You don't need a tattoo to please the Lord. The Bible tells us that we should not worship images, but, but elder, I have a tattoo. Well, let me say this gently. We are told to bear the cross, not wear the cross. Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. Try doing what the Most High does. Investigate God. See where he would have you go and what he would have you do. Not what you would do to try to see what he would like. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things build up. There are things that you might be able to do, but I am not going to do them is what he's saying. And the fifth point is love your brother and your sister. Romans 14, 21 says, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything which your brother, which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. If it's a problem for you, if it's, if it's something that can cause a problem for someone else, set it aside. Why adopt something that's gonna hurt someone else's salvation? Romans 1, 22 to 24 says, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and, and uh, creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. Tattoos are a relational issue. You honor God in your refrain. You don't cause other people to stumble. You are to be set apart ministry and to be modest. Is it okay? Avoid it. Third topic. Is it okay? Sunday worship. T.D. Jakes, who um, has written over 35 books, has the 10th largest church in the U.S. and has a weekly attendance of about 17,000 people. Jakes, personally and solely, leans on Colossians 2.16 for the reason why you should be worshiping on Sunday and not on Sabbath. He says, Colossians says, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Bear with me, I'm gonna read something to you from Ellen White. In truth, the truth found, she says, by reading Leviticus 23, you will find several Sabbaths mentioned besides the Lord's Sabbath. These occurred yearly as they belong to certain days of the month, but not any day of the week. 
And there were parts of the Jewish laws. In speaking of the seventh day, the Lord always called it his Sabbath. But in speaking to Israel of those yearly Sabbaths, he says, your Sabbath. Some have supposed that Colossians 2, 16 and 17 shows that the Sabbath pointed to redemption and is, there, and is therefore superseded by the work of Christ. But when we examine the nature of the Sabbath as given in Genesis and in the fourth commandment, we at once see that Colossians does not refer to the seventh day Sabbath, but to the yearly Sabbath and feast days of the Jews. For we learn first that Sabbath was made before the fall of man and therefore before any plan of salvation was revealed. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath law and reveals to us the obligation to keep the Sabbath and the ground and reason therefore. We here learn that it is the Lord's Sabbath for when he made the world, he rested on the seventh day and hallowed it, sanctified it as his rest day. Can you go to church on Sunday or Wednesday or Friday? You can go to church. But it's not the Sabbath. And it is told to us that you must recognize it and keep it holy. Let's keep investigating, though. Whose idea was it to keep the Sabbath? You know, about 300 years ago, Jesus... Um, after Jesus' resurrection, partly because of hatred against the Jews, misguided men suggested that God's holy day of worship be changed from Saturday to Sunday. Now, we know that God predicted that would happen, and it did. This error was passed on to our generation as fact. However, Sunday keeping is, is a tradition of men, and, and, it, and it breaks God's law, which commands Sabbath keeping, and only God can make a day holy. God blessed the Sabbath. And something that you need to know about God is that when God blesses, no one can reverse it. Don't believe me. Later today, go read Numbers 23:20. But in Daniel 7:25, in that prediction of what men would do, it says he shall intend to change times and laws. In Matthew 15, verse 6 and 9, it says, You have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Ezekiel tells us, Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. Her, her prophets plastered them um, with untempered mortar, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. So let me ask you a question. Is it dangerous to tamper with God's law? Deuteronomy 4.2 says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says, Every word of the God is pure. Do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you and be found a liar. God has forbidden folk, man, to change his law, either by deletion or by addition. Tampering with God's law is one of the most dangerous things a person can do because law, God's law is perfect and it is designed to protect us from evil. Well, Jack, 
You know, but I, I, I keep hearing that the Ten Commandments have been changed. Romans 3.31 says, we, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Psalm 89.34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Luke 16, 7 says, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. No, they have not been changed. Well, Jack, are the Ten Commandments still binding today, though? Because I keep hearing this whole thing about um, the law of Moses and the law of God. Ministry, Christ expected his people to still be keeping the Sabbath in AD 70, when Jerusalem was, was destroyed. Jesus, Jesus warned his followers at that time in Matthew 24, 20 saying, but pray ye that your flight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Jesus made it clear to his people that his people would be keeping the Sabbath 40 years after his resurrection. But what I've been seeing online that disturbed me is some modern day Christians are getting confused the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses and Christ's role. So let's fix it. Too many Christians confuse the Ten Commandments with the Law of Moses. But I want you to take note of this ministry because God woke me up at... <laughs> three o'clock in the morning, Wednesday, and I turned on my phone and I was given something from a friend of mine, Pastor Ivor Myers. And this was it. Romans 7.7 7 shows us that the Ten Commandments are the description of sin. While Hebrews 10.11 shows us the law of Moses is the prescription for sin. When one broke any of the commandments, the, des the description of sin, the prescription came in the form of sacrifices and offerings. This is the law of Moses. So Jesus did not come to do away with the description of sin, James 2, 10 through 12. It shows us lying is still lying and murder is still murder. He came to change the prescription of sin. The new prescription is his blood of the new covenant. John 1:17 shares it's a new and improved medication designed to eradicate sin. So Romans 3:31 shows that not that which defines sin. See the 10 commandments, the description of sin will always be necessary to convince sinners that they are sick and in need of medication. So who do you think is behind the deception? See Revelations 12, 17, that leads Christians to believe that the cure somehow neutralizes the commandments. See John, 1 John 3, 4, a belief that can only lead to more sin, sickness, and death. Amen, if you hear me. Yes, the 10 commandments are still binding. Well, but at the end, you know, people, won't they be worshiping Sunday in the end? Um, how, how about the new heaven and the new earth? Will Sabbath be kept then or will it be Sunday? 
Well, Isaiah 66, verse 22 and 23 tells us, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will, I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Colossians 3.1 says, so if you're serious, serious, and this is the Message Bible version, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb, absorb by the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is see things from his perspective. The reason why you don't see me up here with one little card and then walking around is because God gives me way too much to be <laughs> trying to remember. But I, I look around the world and I see men and women and I, I see that people think they're righteous. They see their sin but, they're, but they still think they're righteous or, or good enough. Why is that? Because they have no real knowledge of God. See, the problem is, in this world, people think God is like them. People need to know that God is not like them. God is not like them. God is holy, man is not. God is omnipotent, man is not. God is love, <laughs> not. Psalm 50, 21 says, these things have you done. And I kept silent. Though thou, thou thought that I was altogether such as one as thyself. He says, you thought I was just like you, not. That is why without an umpire or mediator, man cannot come to God. There's a, um, there's a website out there called heartmath.org, heartmath.org, that illuminated some scientific things that really resonated with me spiritually. Um, scientifically, researchers have discovered that the human heart continues to generate new cells throughout its lifespan. In fact, we now know that the heart has its own intrinsic nervous system that sends information to the brain affecting the way we think and feel. More to the fact, they learned that the heart sends more signals or information to the brain than the brain does to the heart. They call it the little brain, but watch this ministry. The heart brain, as they're calling it, can act independently of the brain in your head. Its neurons have long-term and short-term memory. Negative things affecting the heart then disrupt the brain. But when you experience love and compassion and kindness or appreciation, it creates a smooth, coherent heart rhythm which balances your mind affecting how we feel and our ability to think clearly. That's science. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, 
lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be if any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things <laughs> scientists themselves say this is our discernment and it vastly improves they call it cortical facilitation See, God doesn't just want to develop a Christ-like character. He wants us to create cooperation within ourselves, promoting, promoting cooperation with him. Scientists say that when we practice these things in Philippians 4.8, heart qualities like care and love and forgiveness, etc., it carries to the overall coherence in our entire system. ministry if the enemy can get a hold of your mind he can get a hold of your heart and thus he's disrupting you and breaking you from God your diet music exercise your daily living must be pursued with a godly focus Oscar was up here a couple weeks ago talking about your health it has changed what I know I need to do for my health because I need my body to be in balance so that I can be in direct and clear communication with the God that created me. First Peter 4.3 says, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Ministry, don't let people, don't let the enemy demonize your spiritual position. Don't let that happen in the church and, and don't let that happen in public either. Christian to Christian, it is against how God moves. Remember God said, come let us what together? This is an example to us between us. So when you want to hold on to your belief in church and you want to dismiss a brother, not just of the same faith, but in the same house, because you have a difference of opinion, you are not taking a spiritual position, but a personal one and Satan wins. You can't come with a two verse argument and discuss or ignore their 22 verse rebuttal. It's called hardening your heart. God is love. We are supposed to examine the scriptures together. We are supposed to work together and study together so that we can find out what truth we're being led to. Work together through study and prayer. You're supposed to exhaust your efforts in God and you will find the Holy Spirit bringing you to truth. If you're not in a Bible study, find one, start one, or be one. You must prepare your mind, saints. Why? Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments at every lofty, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Amen, elder, but um, I know, I don't got time. I'm, I'm busy, serious. You know, I'm working, I got, you know, the kids, the family, I got stuff going on, you know, I gotta hit the gym, I gotta work out. Hmm, how many of you heard of the rule of 100? Anybody? The rule of 100 states that if you spend 100 hours a year, which is 18 minutes a day, 
All of us in any discipline, karate, violin, piano, Bible study, memorizing scripture, sharing the gospel with others, if you spend 18 minutes a day, which is 100 hours a year, you'll be better than 95% of the world in that discipline. It's just a consistency ministry. Stand up for what is right. Stand up for what is good. It's time to stand up for what is true. But you have to start studying daily. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, 17 and 18 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay, jar, clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but not abandoned by God. We, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. My last thought, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Become a Bible study. Stand in the gap. Don't let the world mislead folk to destruction. God said, there is something I'm looking for. <laughs> when God tells you something, listen. God says, there is something I am looking for. A person simple and plain, reverently responsive to what I say. God's word isn't secondhand smoke ministry. You need to stop walking past your Bible every morning, forgetting about it before you go to bed at night. I want my church back. I want that church that is so deep in God's word. We come in calling each other, talking about what you discover and what you see. We cannot have a world that is against God knowing what we know better than what we know. There's no excuse for us not to know what we stand for. We can't have Christians of the faith hearing something that's a lie and wondering if it's true because they don't know what they believe. We don't have any more time. So stop it. Pick up your Bible and get to work. Please. I don't want to be reading about you in heaven about how you didn't get there. I want to be there with you. 
When you hear something wrong, stand up and refute it. You're not a, a fearful person by creation. God didn't make you fearful. Don't be ashamed of God. Trust me, if you're not ashamed of him, he's not gonna be ashamed of you. It's 2023, ain't many years left. Please ministry. And I call you ministry because we're all called to be ministers of God. Please, please. Go home, evaluate yourself and get into God's word. Let's pray. Kind and merciful Father, forgive us. Can't even begin to list the amount of things we need forgiveness for. We don't want to be lost. We want to be found in the Lamb's book of life. Help your word, the living word, be our everyday uniform. Help your word expend more of our time than the Disney Channel. Help our prayer life to be never ending. Help us to love you, Lord, so we can love each other. We're not interested in looking down on sinners because we're sinners ourselves. But straighten us out, Lord, so that we can be a hope that other people that don't have hope can look on. And we will be careful, Lord, to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In the one and only name, Jesus, amen.